helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Certified Christian Counselor and Director of Ottawa's Elam Counseling Services. Hi, I'm Michael Hart, President of Elam Counseling Service. And I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Life Transformation, a Christian counseling radio show where chains are broken and the lives are renewed. If you're not familiar with Elim Counseling Services, Elim is a Christian counseling ministry that offers professional counseling for a wide range of issues. You can get a hold of us by calling 613-699-1677. If I sound a little bit different today, I'm still Michael Hart. I'm just battling a bit of a sinus issue, so please bear with me as I go through this show today. Our topic today is forgiveness. We'll be discussing this often misunderstood uh, topic of forgiveness, and with me in studio today is Melissa Wagat, Ministry Assistant at Elam Counseling Service. Welcome, Melissa. Hi there, Michael. So many of our listeners may be really familiar with the verse we find in Matthew 18, where the Bible tells us that we should forgive a person 70 times 7 times. But there may be a lot of people who are listening today who may feel that this may set them up to become a doormat for others, to be victimized over and over and over again. What would you say to those people listening, or those people who maybe find it hard to forgive someone once, let alone 70 times 70? <laughs> yeah, I can certainly understand that. Yeah, so let me say this, that uh, when the Bible talks about forgiving 70 times 7, it's found in Matthew 18. Jesus further clarified a procedure, a procedure for dealing with uh, conflicts between individuals. And in, in, the, in the verses in Matthew Jesus goes on to show that forgiveness doesn't mean you become a doormat and allow people to walk over you. Actually, Jesus clarified it to say, if there is an issue with you and your brother, you should try to go to your brother to make it right. And then he further went on to say, if your brother doesn't listen, you should go with two or three witnesses to to your brother to try to solve the issue. And then if your brother still doesn't listen, uh, take that, take him to the church in order to try to resolve the matter. And finally, Jesus went on to say, if after the church has intervened and your brothers still refuse to to, 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 to listen or, or to solve the matter that you are to treat the person as a pagan. Now, that these are very strong words coming mm-hmm. from, from Jesus, and it certainly doesn't sound like Jesus is asking a person who is offended in, in any way to become a doormat. So what did Jesus mean when he said, treat the person like a pagan? To understand that, we have to go a little bit into into the biblical culture and the culture of the Bible at the time. Now, uh, in, the, in Bible times, sin was considered to be contagious. Mm-hmm. So anyone who went to the house of someone who was a pagan or, or who weren't following the Jewish, Jewish rituals of, of, of cleansing oneself, anyone that goes into that person's house would automatically be seen as sinful. So the Jews, in order to maintain holiness, would stay away from people who are pagans. So what Jesus is here saying is that there are circumstances when forgiveness means tough love. 
forgiveness mm. means that you you will take the steps steps necessary to to confront and to try to deal with the issues. So Jesus is not by any means saying that we should just roll over and let people walk all over us. Mm. So just to touch on that tough love approach, I think sometimes people run into circumstances where sort of you slight them once and then it's it. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing you say is it's more of a process. It's not just you're cut off. Jesus sort of laid out some guidelines for the person to follow. And mm. if at the end they don't uh, rectify the situation, then that's when that tough love comes in. And I think that's something you brought up actually in your Kingdom Life workshop about how we as people can forgive. And anatomy of forgiveness is what you've described. And it, you've described it as having three parts in that workshop. Clarity, choice, and commitment. Can you describe these three parts a little bit further for our listeners and for myself? Okay, when we talk of clarity, uh, to forgive someone, it's very important to have a full understanding of how what the person has done and how that, that person's action has affected you. Mm. I find that sometimes uh, in Christian circles, we can be too quick to say, I forgive you without even dialoguing about the issue, mm-hmm. without even talking about the the feelings that you're having. I, I had a, a situation a, a few years ago where this lady told me that there was an issue at her church and she was trying to solve that issue with another member of the church. So she, she sent an email to the person that she had the issue with to say, let us meet and talk about this issue and clarify the issue and the response that she got back is, no, I don't want to meet with you. I have forgiven you. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so that kind of forgiveness, it's like a passive-aggressive type it's, of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's true. And you need clarity on both sides, not only you as the person who's been slighted, but also where that other individual is coming from. So Absolutely. If you, so if you come into that person that just says, I forgive you, don't worry about it, move on, how can you have that dialogue? Well, it, it, it's good to, to, to approach the person and let the person know that you're trying to bring closure to the situation because oftentimes when you have this kind of dismissive attitude where it's, oh, I forgive you, I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. it, what has actually happened, it's not forgiveness. It's, it's, it's a form of denial mm-hmm. where people are unwilling to look at the seriousness of what happened, to accept the fact that these struggles exist and to mm-hmm. confront them and deal with them. So so forgiveness, first of all, calls for clarity. What has happened? What wrong has been committed? How, how one feels about the offense? And also recognition that it, it, is, it is a process to forgive. And then we, we talk about commitment, which is the second, the second the C word, uh, which is committing to the process of forgiving that person. Because you say you forgive, does it mean that the hurt and the pain goes away? Mm-hmm. So that whole adage, forgive and forget, <laughs> isn't that easy all the time? Uh-huh. It's, it's not easy. Uh, people often say, you know, I don't think I have forgiven the person because I'm still hurting. Mm-hmm. It's important for us not to confuse the two. 
because the, the third zero word is choice, right? As part of the anatomy of forgiveness, we make a choice to forgive regardless of how we feel. So when you commit to the process of forgiving, there are still going to be days when you're angry. Mm-hmm. There are still going to be days when you're, you're upset at what has transpired in your relationship with that person. But because of the commitment factor, you can say, I have given all of this hurt and all of this pain over to God because I I have committed to forgiving that person. I have made a choice Mm -hmm. and I am clear as to what happened. I think sometimes people too struggle with the time piece for that process. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a a time where it's those emotions are coming back and they're coming back where it's been happening too long. Like sometimes you hear people say, well, just get over it. It's been a year or it's been two years. How do you help those people when it's a year out with those emotions to recognize what's healthy, maybe what's not so healthy? Is there a distinction or? I think it is important to understand that there's no such thing as bad emotion or Mm. bad emotions. A bad emotion. God has given us our emotions for a reason. They're there. They're, they serve as a purpose. So when someone is offended and they're angry, they're saying that there is an injustice that has been done. I have been violated in some way. And that anger process is part of the, the way of healing and getting over what has happened. There is no shortcut. The, 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 the emotions has to be worked through. They have to be talked through. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to accept that as being a natural part of being human. But what I find in Christian circles, as you said, uh, there is this notion that if we forgive, then the emotions should just... Yeah, you should just feel better. Feel it's better a, It's right a release. Away. It's all those things or being angry is mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hear that. Well, you shouldn't be angry at someone. Mm-hmm. But you're saying those emotions are... God-given, and it's more about going through the process and committing to forgiveness Absolutely. and talking Ab- about those emotions. Absolutely. And to tell someone that you should just move on or get over it is, is really counterproductive because the, the person, if it was that easy, mm-hmm. then it would mean that the, the action that was perpetrated wasn't a, a big action. But mm. when people are violated in significant ways, it is quite appropriate for them to have strong emotions that persist long after the choice to forgive has been put in place. So forgiveness is something that's often commented on in the Bible, um, and it's something that we've received ourselves through Christ's uh, death on the cross. And so in the Bible, it's constantly uh, posed as something that's very good on a spiritual level, and I think in most Christian circles, we'd accept that Uh um, because we're doing it out of obedience to God because Christ loved us and forgave us, we therefore should forgive others. But is there any scientific research that shows that forgiveness benefits the forgiver other than just being obedient to God? Yes, Melissa, there are a few research that I would like to to point to here. The the first is uh, that some longitudinal studies have demonstrated that forgiving a partner facilitates relational closeness and higher quality in the relationship. Mm. So this research uh, shows that by forgiving, it opens up a door for there to be to be a, cl- a closer relationship and for the, in- the relationship to improve. Other research also shows that when you forgive, it increases feelings of personal well-being and reduces psychological 
distress. So this is this is very very important because what this means is that it's not only benefit the person benefiting the person that you forgive, but it is also helping the person who forgives to to feel a, a better sense of well-being and to be less distress. Mm. So you talk about some of the psychological pieces of well-being that less stress, distress that come from forgiveness. Are there any physical uh, positives that come through for the person who's forgiving someone else? Or is it just all psychological? Well, there's also uh, physical benefits as well to forgiving a person. Uh, Some research shows that when when you forgive, when, when you carry around unforgiveness and bitterness, it causes uh, things like hypertension, it, 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 it increases stress. And as we know, if you have prolonged exposure to stress, the stress or hormone cortisol uh, can be very damaging to, to a person's health. So when you, when you forgive and you let go of that bitterness and that, that thing that is eating away of you and you work through that process of getting over the anger and the pain that you have to that person, it is actually releasing you from negative health symptoms and putting you in a place where you can you can enjoy better physical health as well have we ever does it come up ever in the bible with um, examples of people that hold grudges and how that's affected them are there any biblical examples of that because i think that's something that i know in my circles i've seen people that can hold grudges for decades Mm -hmm. someone slights them and it's 15 years later and um, if they see them in the grocery store, they will not acknowledge them for the sake of a grudge. Mm-hmm. Are there biblical examples of people who've held grudges and how that's affected them? Well, an example that comes to mind, it's the, the story of Ahitophel, who was the grandfather of Bathsheba. We know the story about David and Bathsheba very well, and how, how David seduced Bathsheba into an adulterous affair and got her pregnant and then tried to cover up his act by putting her husband in the heat of battle and eventually end up getting him killed. It would seem from uh, what we learned from the Bible that Ahitophel, Bathsheba's grandfather, that he never really forgave David for what he did Mm -hmm. because we find that several years after when Absalom, David's son, revolted against David, Ahitophel, who was advisor to David, instead of standing with David, he took side with, with Absalom and tried to get Absalom to follow a plot that would surely lead to the destruction of David. Mm. But as God would have it, uh, Absalom didn't follow the plot, and so David survived. And when, when Ahitophel realized that, he ended up killing himself. He ended up committing suicide. Mm. So this is a very classical example of how uh, holding a grudge can lead to a person's destruction. It's a very vivid uh, example, I would say. Uh, however, in, in, in real life, in modern life, it doesn't necessarily lead to that kind of dramatic end where mm. a person commits suicide because they, they don't forgive or they hold bitterness, but it eats away, as I've said mm-hmm. before, it, it destroys a person's health, it causes unhappiness. And someone has said that holding bitterness against a person is like taking a poisonous pill and hoping that someone else that you hate would die. That's very, <laughs> very interesting from a quote perspective. 
Before we go on, I'd like to say if you're just joining us today, you're listening to Live Transformations. I'm your host, Michael Hart, and with me in studio today is Melissa Wagot. And Melissa and I are discussing this very important topic of forgiveness. So, so far we have, we, have, we have talked about the fact that forgiveness doesn't mean that you roll over and you become a doormat to others. You allow others to just walk all over you. We have also said that there are three important components to forgiveness, that forgiveness needs to have clarity. It needs to be very clear what is forgiven. Uh, we also said that forgiveness employ, it implies a choice, that we make a choice to forgive. But we also said that forgiveness is a process, that just because you forgive doesn't mean that you forget, and it doesn't mean that the pain has dissipated and the pain has gone away, but that commitment needs to be there so that even when you're angry, even when, when you you become really hurt as a result of what had happened to you, you can still continue to press on in forgiving that person. So just wondering, Michael, do you ever find in your clients or in, um, other people that you've encountered with that unforgiveness can become a habit, that it's almost like a way of life that holding that grudge is almost like a trophy or something like that. Do you ever see that? Absolutely. I think in some relationships, it becomes uh, a weapon that can be used against the other person to keep the other person into submission, so to speak. So in, in some relationships, there's some wrong that was done 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. every time that there's an argument, this wrong is pulled out of the closet and held up as a kind of trophy, as you said, and said, see what you did mm -hmm. to me. 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. as long as that that unforgiveness ensues, the, the person who refuses to forgive somehow feels that they are in control of the relationship or they have something that they can use to manipulate the other person to do what mm -hmm. they want or just to, to get that person to, to feel badly mm -hmm. and to deflect attention away from themselves. So in other words, if I have a problem and you come to me with, you know, to deal with the issue that I have and to say, Michael, you know, you did this to me and it, it's really not right. It, it's hurtful to me. If you were to pull something out of the closet from 20 years ago and say, but you did this. I remember when we, you know, way back then, you did this. Yeah. It becomes a deflection of mm. the real issue. And it oftentimes gets relationships into a rut mm. where people are not able to move forward in their relationship because they can't work on the current issues because the past issue, the 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 forgive the, the unforgiveness of the past, the thing that has happened in the past has always been held over the person who, who did it. So what advice would you give either to that person holding that trophy of the grudge or that person who unfortunately is having the trophy thrown in their face at every argument? How do you help them through those things? Okay, first of all, I, I would say, let's, let's start with the, the person who is taking out the trophy. <laughs> I would say that you're, you're actually doing something very damaging to your relationship when you refuse to move on and to let the person, to, to, to make the choice to forgive the person. Because as long as you're bringing up things from 20 years ago, your relationship cannot move forward and you cannot deal with the, with the current issues. And if you keep going back to the past and mm -hmm. the, the person has apologized and the person has said, I'm sorry, and you, 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 know, you have gone through all the steps, the person has gone through all the steps of rebuilding trust, 
and you still keep bringing that back up, then that relationship is stuck. So I would say to the, the person who is holding up that that thing of the past as a trophy, then let it go because it is actually poisoning the relationship and stopping the relationship from growing. To the person who is always being reminded of, yes. of what happened 20 years ago, I would say uh, in, in, in arguments that comes around that, reiterate that you're sorry, but also say we need to deal with this issue that's on the table because if you keep deflecting from current issues and talking about the past, your relationship will not mm -hmm. move forward. So acknowledge the wrong that was done, mm -hmm. ask forgiveness for it, but also said, I would love to talk about that with you at some other time, but right now let us focus about the issue, what you have done to me that's today, currently that's hand. currently at hand. Mm. You've also spoken in the past about how people have the tendency to have their version of biblical forgiveness be clouded by past emotional wounds. What is? Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that? Okay, yeah, let me say that uh, if someone is has emotional wounds that make them passive, for example, and they're afraid of conflict, they're likely to gravitate towards the version of forgiveness that says, you know, you have to forgive 70 times 7, and they will forget about the other part. And they will say, oh, yes, you know, I'm just forgiving 70 times 7 because mm -hmm. the Bible says I have to forgive, and I can't do anything about it, you mm -hmm. know, because I'm just forgiving him, and I'm just praying for him. Because what the, the, the truth, though, is that this person is really afraid of confrontation because mm -hmm. of their psychological wounds, and they're unwilling and psychologically unable to confront issues. So they use that scripture out of context to mean, I'm not going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let this person walk for, walk all over me. However, as I've said before, uh, biblical forgiveness also involves confronting yes. your brother over the issue of wrong that was done. And getting that clarity that you spoke about yes. earlier of the whole situation. Absolutely. And I think it's a very, very important ingredient. Is there any other examples you have um, about that biblical forgiveness? Sometimes I think I feel overwhelmed when you think about what Jesus has forgiven you for. Uh -huh. um, and that fact that he had no sin but still was able to forgive me. And then we have these people come into our lives that do little things that just eat at us and eat at us and eat at us. Um, how do you help people let those emotions go? Um, when someone will say, well, that wasn't really that big a deal. That's the other thing I hear sometimes is, well, that wasn't a huge offense. Uh -huh. How can you still be holding on? It wasn't like this, 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 and this. Uh -huh. How do you help people that are struggling with just holding on? All right, so, so the first question about whether or not there are other biblical examples. Uh, for that, I would, I would probably look at the Lord's Prayer as a, an example of, of how forgiveness, unforgiveness and bitterness can stand in the way of, of, of our own personal spiritual well-being. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said that we should forgive others like we are to forgive others as God has forgiven us our trespasses. Mm -hmm. So, some people read that to mean that if we don't forgive others, that God is not going to forgive us. But I think a better, a better, a better interpretation of that is that when we don't forgive, the bitterness and the grudge that 
we, we hold against a person actually stands in, in the way of our spiritual growth mm-hmm. and creates situations where we cannot move past our, our own sin. In, in the second part, there, there, there are scriptures, for example, where we are told to turn the other cheek. And that too is a scripture that is often taken out of context where people interpret that to mean if someone does you something wrong, let them do it to you again. Yeah, you just need to take it. You just need to take it and just you know, keep on letting the person do this to you. So when, when you talk about people saying, oh, you know, this is just a minor thing, just get over it, it's not a big deal. People sometimes use this turning the other cheek as a way of, of justifying that kind of behavior that we are to just take the wrong that was done to us slightly and move on. But Jesus didn't intend it that way at all. The turn the other cheek is actually uh, a, a, a device that was used in Bible time, a, a, a way of communication in Bible times to use complete exaggeration as a way of driving home a spiritual truth. Mm. So what Jesus is actually saying in that turn to the cheek is that we we should we should make an effort to forgive and that forgiveness is very important. He doesn't mean literally that we are to turn the other cheek and let someone hit us again. Similarly when he said if if you're right and offend you cut it off. Mm. Jesus is not saying we are to take an axe to our right hand or, or yes. you know have <laughs> surgery because we are doing something with our right hand. He's making the point that it it is very very important to to to, to stay holy and to be spiritually pure. So we should go to whatever means to to ensure that. Now, I'd like to touch on uh, before we come to the end uh, of our show. Time is is gone. We we just have a few minutes left. I'd like to talk a little bit about forgiveness and trust. Uh, but before I do this, let's, let me say if you're just joining us that you're listening to Michael Hart and Melissa Wagot on Life Transformations, and we are discussing the issue of forgiveness. Uh, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, a, a, a Christian counseling organization in Ottawa. So let me now talk about this issue of of trust. There, there are times when I have couples who come before me that they, usually the husband will say something like, I don't know what's wrong with her. I have confessed my adulterous affair. I have told her everything, but still, she doesn't trust me. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think if the affair is something that is, is current, that it's quite okay for a wife not to trust her husband. It would, it would be superficial for someone whose trust has been violated in that way to just say, oh yes, I forgive you and I now trust you again fully. So to that I would say, forgiveness can be given freely, but trust has to be earned. Mm-hmm. It's that process in time. It's a process and it takes time before that can be, be earned. So we have come to the end of today's broadcast, Melissa, and I just want to thank you very much for being with me on the show today and for guiding this exploration of the subject of forgiveness. Thank you very much for your question. I think it has really opened up this, this, this subject to our clients. You're welcome. And to our listeners. If you, if you have a question and you would like uh, us to answer your question or to deal with any counseling needs that you may have, please call us at 613-699-1677. Again, it's 613-699-1677. 
Thank you very much for listening to this edition of, of Life Transformation. Before I go, let me remind you that on the next broadcast, we'll be having a member of the original uh, Jamaica bobsled team will be talking about resilience and about his how fate has been instrumental in his achievements in life and in his journey to the to the Olympics with the Jamaica bobsled team. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Life Transformation. This is Michael Hart, President of Elim Counseling Services, thanking you for listening to this edition of the show. Until next time. I pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. God bless you.